Okay, so as we were discussing earlier, we need to have a multidisciplinary approach and also be prepared for the long run. Uh, Russia is clearly determined to wage the war on Ukraine uh, for months, if not years to come. And the uh, countries against the war need to continue supporting Ukraine with a range of measures. Sanctions are not as easy as flipping a switch and having an effect on the country. Also, we shouldn't forget that Russia is a commodity exporter and it exports more than 50% of their total balance of payments, total exports from the country is oil and oil products, then another 10 to 15% is gas, and then we also have metals and other uh, food and other commodities. So Russia is mostly a commodity exporter. As a result of the spike in global commodity prices, Russia's balance of payments, affects inflows, and also the budget has benefited strongly. And therefore, so far this year, the current account of Russia has been more than $100 billion. This is an unprecedented high current account for Russia, even by any historical standards. In addition, Russian budget has also been in surplus of more than trillion rubles. Uh, since the beginning of the year, thanks to the large inflows from oil and a little bit from gas uh, revenues, given the structure of taxation in Russia. Well, this gives countries against the war in Ukraine a point of leverage. This is oil. We have seen a number of proposals, and of course, the first best among them would be a full embargo of Russian oil with limitations on the third country's ability to import more Russia's oil. That has proven to be controversial and difficult to complete and negotiate in Europe. In the sixth package, we have seen an embargo, but it's a phased-in embargo. As a result, the US and the G7 are now discussing the possibility of an oil price cap. There are many pluses and minuses for these measures, including the oil price cap, but they will also hinge on the implementations. Russian ability to get alternative insurance, and we know already China and Russia are considering providing insurance should there be sanctions on the international maritime insurance. Also, Russia's ability to contract sufficient number of ships, to cargo ships, to be able to carry that oil. And then also there is an open um, possibility of secondary sanctions on countries not complying um, with the international sanctions on Russia of the cap, be it a cap or an embargo, and continuing to import Russian oil. We know that India, for example, has increased more than 10 times imports of Russian oil already albeit from the low levels, and China is also increasing as well. So this is the first line of uh, leverage where the West should continue is oil. The second area is gas. Here, Russia potentially has more leverage vis-a-vis -vis Europe because Europe's ability to divest or divert away from Russian reliance on Russian gas is severely limited and would require at least a couple of years and multi-billion investments into that possibility. Even after the Germany and other countries put in the necessary infrastructure to import LNG, they would be competing on the global market, which is relatively tight for LNG and therefore be facing high prices. We know that Germany is already uh, announced just sort of weeks after the uh, invasion by Russia of Ukraine, construction of an additional LNG terminals, and two of those might come online already this year, and two additional terminals next year, which will dramatically increase European capacity. But again, the LNG is um, globally might be uh, challenging and expensive. So here, Europe particularly should prepare for also defensive measures should Russia decide to disconnect Europe from uh, gas. Given that Russia's current account is large, not only because of the commodity prices, but also the effectiveness of export controls and self-sanctioning by global companies. 
Russian imports are down between 60 to 45 uh, percent, depending on the countries that are sanctioning or those outside the sanctions, and including 80 percent in some cases. So Russia is importing nothing else but cash, which apparently it has nothing to spend on. That situation could change with time. Russia could be looking for alternative ways to circumvent um, sanctions, especially export controls, or also, you know, self-sanctioning might sort of come to an end. So we also need to be thoughtful in preventing that from happening via Turkey or uh, Armenia or Kazakhstan or any other country and potentially continuing to tighten these export controls. We know that more than 80% of Russian corporates across all of the industries are dependent on imported components. And this dependency ranges from maybe 20% for some industries or, or 10 for agriculture to as high as 90% for complicated uh, drilling of um, LNG, for example. So this is, again, this is the second area where the uh, international community can have leverage and should continue to focus on. Finally, financial sector sanctions. They've been imposed already from the first days of the war, but not everything has been done. There are still a lot of banks that are um, connected to SWIFT. There are still uh, institutions like MOEX, the Domestic Exchange, National Clearing Center, and the National Settlement Depository, which are not under full sanctions. Sanctioning these institutions would also undermine Russia's ability to create alternative payment systems and alternative ways of uh, circumventing uh, global financial architecture. And will also make, uh, make it difficult for Russia to use this uh, large foreign exchange inflows that they're getting so far. So just to sum up, it is a multidisciplinary approach and it's also for the long run. Sanctions are not as easy as flipping a switch and uh, calling it a success. We need to be prepared for nuanced approach, for nuanced conversation, and also for adjusting sanctions as time passes. Thank you. Thank you.